Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I rejoice with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closed, compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand on the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. It's great to be with you one more time. It'd be great if you've got that uh, bit of paper handy so that you can see and follow uh, what I'm saying. And on the back, there's a little outline that might be helpful uh, for you too. I wonder if you remember the last event that you got really excited about uh, going uh, along to. Uh, we take it back to 1994, the year that the Shawshank Redemption uh, came out, Forrest Gump uh, was released. It was the Rwandan genocide and also the year of the IRA ceasefire. All of those things passed me by. The thing that uh, I remember most vividly was when my friend Russell Miller invited me to go and see a Michael Jackson concert. Michael Jackson had just floated a 30-foot statue of himself uh, down uh, the Thames. It was all over the news. The King of Pop was back and I jumped at the chance. And I still remember that feeling of going into the stadium uh, it was electric as young, old, rich, poor, all kinds of people gathered uh, to see him perform. Can you remember uh, the last time you were excited to see, I don't know what it would have been, a, a sports team, a band, perhaps your favourite government minister sent, set your pulse racing, uh, or maybe a, a, a big birthday or wedding? This psalm is about the excitement, the joy of coming to Jerusalem to praise God. And you say, well, what's that got to do with me here today in London? Well, Martin Luther said that the lens we should see this psalm through is that Jerusalem is the church and that the temple is Christ. And that means that for us, this psalm is about the joy of coming together to church to praise Christ. And that is a timely reminder because many today don't see the benefit of that. Even those who want to make it to church find it even harder than they once uh, did. More places to travel, more technology to distract, more sports clubs to take the kids to. Sometimes we're just plain tired. And so this kind of self-directed spirituality can take hold. I can do it all by myself. And this psalm excites us with a fresh perspective. And the first thing I want us to see of our three short points are God's people love to praise together. God's people love to praise together. That is to say, Christians love it when they get to meet other Christians to praise Christ. Verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Do you see the trembling and the excitement with the thought of going to hear Christ preached? And in verse 2, finally they got there. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. And the thing is, as he stands in the city, he's amazed at the unity that he sees. So verse 3, Jerusalem is, like, is built like a city that is closely compacted together. 
Now, Jerusalem is known geographically for being a city that is closely compacted together, but this has a spiritual meaning as well. It means that its people were knit together. The, the, the Hebrew uses the language of Psalm 94, the language of different armies coming together to join forces. Think UN peacekeepers, think international aid efforts. People knit together. And that is what the psalmist sees in verse 4. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord. Tribes are like extended Families, And of course each family, just like each family today, has its own quirks and uh, character. Mine tend to revolve around Kentucky Fried Chicken, but it's a whole other sermon. But, but all these different tribes with their different personalities come together to praise the Lord. And so he's looking at this beautiful picture of the diverse people of God coming together to worship God. In Life magazine in 1945... There was a now iconic picture of a soldier and a civilian kissing and hugging. Behind them there were soldiers kissing and hugging, and civilians kissing and hugging, and soldiers and civilians kissing and hugging one another. And if you picked up the picture and looked at it, you'd be forgiven for thinking that these were people who were long-lost relatives finally reunited. But of course, on closer inspection, none of the people in the picture knew each other at all. The year was 19. 45, and you might remember the picture, it was taken at the end of the Second World War. And as you look at that picture, it speaks very clearly of one truth, that, that good news brings people together. And the good news at the temple was that we are at peace with God. We can come near to God together. There's the temple, there's the sacrificial system. It's bloody, it's messy, but bottom line is because of that, we can come near to the one who flung stars into space, who made it possible this morning for you to open your eyes and see, to the one who enables you even now to hear what I'm saying, to feel, to make a cup of tea and taste it. And if it got them excited then, how much more excited should it get us? Get us, Because we know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, bloody, messy, sacrifice on the cross, means that for all who trust in him, we're no longer at war, but we're at peace with God and we can come near to him. So we love to praise him together. And all over London, people flock from diverse backgrounds and cultures to get to church, even members of Parliament. Uh, the Daily Telegraph said recently that no UK Prime Minister since the Second World War has had such a series of major challenges to face. And yet wonderfully, Mrs May, as far as I understand it, and many other hard-working MPs besides, carves out time to attend church regularly. I can't speak for their reasons, but, but from this psalm, it's, it's because Christians love to come together to praise God. But it can't be easy for Theresa May to make it to church on Sunday, just like uh, making it to a lunchtime service here isn't easy. I know for many of you, it's hard work. You face unrealistic deadlines. There are people in your offices who are not yet recruited. There are people who are recruited but aren't performing. There are people who are, who are not there because they're sick. Uh, and yet, you've made it. You've made it today. And my point is that loving it doesn't mean that it's easy to get there. Loving it doesn't mean that it's easy to get there. Sometimes it's hard. And it's been hard for these singers here in this psalm too. If you were here with us 
couple of weeks ago, Psalm 120, surrounded by people who didn't care about God's things. Psalm 121, trying to remind yourself every single day that God is really more important and reliable than all the other stuff you're tempted to rely on. It's hard. But now they're here, and all the struggle is worthwhile, and they love it. And in verse 5, we see why they love it so much. Verse 5 is the middle of the psalm. And if you know about Hebrew poetry, uh, often the punchline comes right in the middle. So with a psalm with nine verses, we're asking, what does verse 5 say? And verse 5 says, there stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Key word is throne, isn't it? This is where Israel's king ruled God's way. In other words, this is the place where you can relax and rejoice You see, very often the people around at that time worshipped their own gods and did what was right in their own eyes. But here, this was the place where judgment and justice happened God's way. And everyone got that. You could relax and rejoice. It's like when you've been driving in Europe and you finally get off the ferry or out of the tunnel and you're driving on the right side of the road again, the left side, and, uh, and, and your shoulders dip a little bit and you breathe a little bit easier. You can relax. It's not that you necessarily agree with all of the rules of the realm, but you know what they are and you can relax. And of course, when you come to church, we worship a God whose rules are perfect, whose ways are unmatchable. And it's also a place not just of relaxing, but rejoicing. A place of celebration. There I was at the Michael Jackson concert as people's hair went from side to side and Flecks of sweat went onto your face and as you enjoyed uh, all of the uh, stuff that was going on, you didn't have to convince those around you that it was good. You all knew you were there for the same thing and so you could enjoy it. So verse 5 is saying to us, look, here's a place where we can relax, let our hair down, where we can know where we are and rejoice because Jesus Christ is King. So he rejoices because uh, the Lord uh, rules. But even um, in church, it's not always beautiful. Uh, And it's the same now as it was then, as you may well be aware. And the the last point is that God's people pray for peace with one another. We pray that church is what it was supposed to be, a place of peace. So in verse 6, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. And, and as you read that, you might be thinking it's talking about threats from the outside. Pray for peace. You might think it's about threats from the outside. But as you read on, you realise that it's actually about what's going on inside, not outside. So verse 7, may there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. End of verse 8, I will say peace be within you. Isn't that interesting? It's not talking about peace from outside, but peace inside the church. Why? Because remember verse 5? Because because the Lord rules the church and we want him to be the centre of attention. And you see, where there's conflict in the church, he's not the centre of attention. And so we want to pray for peace. And it may be that you're here kind of looking into things, maybe on the edge of Christian things, and you know for yourself that sometimes conflict stops you taking it more seriously. A bit like when you get a cup of tea and, and you notice that there's a, a fly in it. Now most of that tea is full of good stuff, 
but there's this tiny fly in it, and all you can focus on is the fly. <laughs> and sometimes it's like that when people experience church. There's lots of good stuff there, but all their attention is on that conflict that they can see, and it destroys everything. And so, God's people pray for peace. Now, how do we do that specifically? Well, I've put three G's on the back of your uh, sheet uh, that might be helpful to you. It might be helpful whether you face conflict here in Parliament, uh, maybe here among people here or in church. Three things. Firstly, glorify God. You ask the question, how can I please God in this situation? Second thing, get the log out of your own eye. What have I thought or said that might have led to this? And then third little thing there, gently restore. Which I guess means two things. One, asking the question, is this serious enough? Is this a serious enough problem to actually confront someone else with? First thing to ask. And second thing, to speak the truth in love. Glorify God, get the log out of your own mind, gently restore. Great things to pray for one another. Because you see, most of our knee-jerk reaction when we face conflict, is either to hide or to hurt. We either just want to hide away from the situation or to hurt, maybe verbally more than physically, but nevertheless. And this shows us a different way to pray, ask for God's help for peace in those situations. And we do it uh, as we uh, draw to the end because of uh, friends and uh, family, because uh, we, we want those inside the church to be focusing their attention on Jesus. And we do it as well, verse 9, for the sake of the house of uh, the Lord, so that, so that it's the reputation of Jesus that might be protected. So that as people look on at the church, look on at the way Christians relate, they wouldn't see it like a tea uh, with a fly in it and find themselves focusing on the very thing that, that they should be paying no attention to. Well, look, as we finish, as special as the church, as special as Christians gathering now is, we look forward to the Lord's ultimate rule. The church, just like Jerusalem, is not perfect, but it is a mini picture of something much better. I love movies, and I remember seeing the film trailer for a film called The Bridge of Spies, which was by, which starred a man whose name I've now forgotten. Mark, thank you, Mark, Mark Rylandson. And others, and I saw this trailer. I thought, man, this is amazing. I really want to get some of this. And the church, at its best, is a mini picture of a place where God rules perfectly. It's a mini picture of something much better. So I think of the parliamentary services we hold here at Christmas, for example, packed in this very space. People from every uh, stripe of the political spectrum meeting to praise God. And and for those few minutes. People have come together to praise God. They're saying that actually Jesus being on the throne is more important than our own uh, particular cultures. And it's just a tiny little picture of what is to come, the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. It's a city that we are connected to but don't see. And on your sheets I've put some verses that point us to how glorious uh, it is. You've come to the Mount, uh, Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, and so on. Your day will come when the prime minister of our, of our world is not 
Theresa May or Hillary Clinton or David Cameron or whoever it might be, but it's Jesus Christ, the risen Jesus Christ. You want to know about diversity? How about worshipping with thousands of angels and people from every tribe and tongue and nation? And our hearts will race with the experience as many come from the north, the east, the south and the west to take their places at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. The finest foods, the finest drinks prepared by God himself, the best conversation you've ever had, the finest storytelling you've ever heard, the deepest relationships you've ever experienced, the loudest laughter you've ever heard, injustices righted, unsung heroes acknowledged, minds and bodies made perfect, Jobs that finally fulfil and satisfy. You think working in Parliament is important? How about ruling with the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what's to come. And it lasts forever. You know, one of the frustrations about a good film is that um, it's going to end. And when you see your name written in the book of life on that last day, you'll know that this experience will last forever. You will not be shortchanged by the living God. You will not be disappointed. It's not like coming out of the movies and thinking, well, I've got not left out of £10 and it was a good film, but I could have waited for it to come out on TV. It's not like that when you get to heaven. This is the real deal. Heaven will make what I uh, will be, what IMAX is to my local Peckerplex. It will be incredible. And this is what pushes pilgrims to keep going and going and praying. Because our journeys with Jesus don't just end with the church, as special as that is. They end with the new Jerusalem to come. So let's bow our heads and pray, uh, and then we'll sing our final song. So loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this reminder of the joy that it is, not just to come to a church, but to come finally to the new Jerusalem that we all long for. Father, we long for that day when we will join with myriads upon myriads of angels in joyful assembly, our names written on in heaven for the rest of forever, with you, the God of who uh, there is no comparison and who is eternally satisfied. Please fix our eyes on that day and help us to be a picture of what that is in our relationships with one another, to glorify you as we speak to one another, to get the log out of our own eyes, And Heavenly Father, to aim to gently restore others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.